Um, this morning, Ruth 1, um, we're going to be reading Ruth 1, 6 to 18. Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem. Sometime later, Naomi heard that the Lord had blessed his people by giving them a good harvest. So she got ready to leave Moab with her daughter-in-law, daughters-in-law. They started out to go back to Judah. But on the way, she said to them, go back home and stay with your mothers. May the Lord be as good to you as you have been to me and to those who have died. And may the Lord make it possible for each of you to marry again and have a home. So Naomi kissed them goodbye, but they started crying and said to her, No, we will go with you to your people. You must go back, my daughters, Naomi answered. Why do you want to come with me? Do you think I could have sons again for you to marry? Go back home, for I'm too old to get married again. Even if I thought there was still hope, and so got married tonight and had sons. Would you wait until they had grown up? Would this keep you from marrying someone else? No, my daughters, you know that's impossible. The Lord has turned against me, and I feel very sorry for you. Again, they started crying. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and went back home. But Ruth held on to her. So Naomi said to her, Ruth, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her God. Go back home with her. But Ruth answered, don't ask me to leave you. Let me go with you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and that is where I will be buried. May the Lord's worst punishment come upon me if I let anyone but death separate me from you. When Naomi, Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. And then our second reading is from John 9. Uh, one to three, while I'm looking it up, please turn to your neighbor and say, where did your hair wander off to? <laughs> Sorry, it's just distracting for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus heals a man born blind. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind. His disciples asked him, teacher, whose sin caused to be born blind? Was it his own or his parents' sin? And Jesus answered, His blindness has nothing to do with his sins or his parents' sins. He is blind so that God's power might be seen at work in him. Thank you. Well, my name is Kurt Buchanan. I'm on staff here, and I have the privilege of uh, sharing the word with you uh, this morning. So yeah, we are on a journey going through the story. You can kind of see our chapter markers along the wall here of where we've been. So those of you who've been tracking with us, those can be good reminders um, for you. The story, again, in case you don't know, is a great resource that takes the major highlights from the Bible, reformats it to read in chronological order without chapter and verse markers so that it reads more like a novel. And today we come to the book of Ruth. Now, if you haven't, despite your best intentions, even begun to read the story, it's okay. You can start on this journey with us any time. If you thought you missed your opportunity, you haven't. I encourage you, take a shot. Um, put it on your kitchen table or somewhere where you won't miss it. Crack it open, and we trust that God will meet you there. Now, I've been kind of personally waiting for this whole reality television thing to kind of blow over. Uh, you know, something that started like, what, 20, 25 years ago or something like that and is still going strong. That or, you know, social networking. I'm still kind of waiting for that fad to kind of go away. But it seems like it's here for a while. And so is the story. So we'll get on board. Um, <laughs> now, 
No, I, I don't mean to guilt you into it. I want you to know that it's a wonderful opportunity. So please, if you don't have a copy, grab one. If you do have a copy, find it wherever it's been lost in your house. Crack it open and start reading with us, please. Okay, here we go. Finally, a love story. Right, yes, we've seen love and marriage before this, uh, but often there were other eclipsing events. There was the fall of humanity, a flood, the rise of a nation, slavery and oppression, conquering the promised land. Up until this point, it's been mostly action, but now we're slowing down a bit. We're zooming in because God's ultimate redemption plan for the whole of human history lies in the hearts of people, simple people, who through an encounter with him become forever changed. Uh, when I'm reading a novel, I am most critical of the pacing, you know, in a series or something like that of novels. I don't often read novels, but when I do, it's usually, you know, popular in, in, amongst high school uh, girls. Um, <laughs> you know, like The Hunger Games or something, Twilight, ages ago. That's usually the series that I stop in to check out and see what's happening. Anyways, in the Hunger Games, I found the pacing was always, you know, herky-jerky. You're going fast, and then you're going way too slow, and then fast and too slow. Has anybody ever read Moby Dick? Anybody? Yeah, by choice, anybody read Moby Dick? <laughs> okay, I, don't, I tried once. I thought, you know what? I'm going to become a cultured person. I'm going to read one of these classics. I was in a chapter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> in this, I picked up this book. I came home. And I felt like I was looking through a magnifying glass at the wood grain on the floor and then against the wall and then at somebody's tattoo and then against somebody's coat. You know, the descriptions were so detailed that I had no idea what the room looked like because I was just getting all of the information from kind of around here. Every new character, every time there was something new happening, a new place, a new environment. Again, I was smacked up against whatever we were supposed to be looking at. That kind of detail I find to be too much. I want a story that kind of moves and has some dynamic to it. And again, if you're describing me the wood grain on the floor, I'm probably going to check out. Again, details are important, but I have an imagination that is also running. So they, a, a man walks into the room. I already know what he looks like, right? Because I have that kind of imagination. Or every once in a while, my wife will reference someone. Do you know so-and-so? And then she'll just start to describe a person. And in my head, I'm just making a person out of those like descriptive features, whether it's anything like that person or not. Anyways, I like a story that has um, some pacing and some moving, some action to it. But you have to have the history and you have to have the moments. It's always like that. The Bible is the living word of God, living and active. Sometimes it's at the 40,000 foot view, dealing with nations and world politics. And sometimes it's in close and personal, two women in desperate circumstances, finding hope in a small town. It kind of reads like the description of like one of those Hallmark movies, right? Is that? Okay, Ruth, chapter one. Now, because Ruth is short, we're going to make it through a huge chunk of it. And again, you've had trouble getting on or into the story. Maybe today will be a chance where you'll get to kind of go through and see a little bit what it's like and get you up to speed so you can keep reading with us. So again, uh, here's uh, Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Uh, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married, married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth, after they had lived there for about 10 years. Both 
Mahalon and Kilon were also, or also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home uh, from there. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then they, uh, she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. First of all, their mother-in-law? They're crying on the road about their mother-in-law? I mean, some people have hit the jackpot with a great mother-in-law. I have, you know. <laughs> but other people find it strained. Sometimes it's a real struggle, right? Sometimes it can be uh, a source of a lot of heartache. Even when there's a great relationship, the tension can still show up. You know, at Thanksgiving or Christmas, and usually has something to do with the mashed potatoes or something to do with the $300 gift in the $200 or the $20 max gift exchange. Right? Oh, I heard a yes, an amen out there, okay. But here we see these women weeping over the thought of being apart. The only thing that brought them together is now dead. Um, they're left there weeping. Now, Frozen, the Disney movie, was highly praised because it was the story about true love between sisters rather than a romantic kind of love. Uh, and again, people were saying, wow, this is amazing. It's a first for Disney. And it seemed like people were saying it was a first in the world. But it's just not the case. Uh, certainly Christians have known that true love is much larger than romantic love for ages. The modern notion of love has forgotten about friendship and family. The modern definition of love, though it boasts that Christians are small-minded, is itself quite narrow. But that's another sermon. Both Ruth and Orpah had an experience, or they had experienced something profound with Naomi. And they said to her, we will go back to you to be with your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? And she says, no, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And again at this they wept. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. See, Naomi reminds them of the reality of the situation. She's old. She's not going to have any more sons. Again, it's going to be poverty from here forward. She can't work. She's not going to have husbands. She's not going to have sons. And the reality of the situation divided these two um, sister-in-laws. Because again, in these days, not having a husband meant no income. It meant no children. It meant no safety, no home, no future, no hope. So Orpah leaves. She goes back to her people and her gods. But for Ruth, she clings to Naomi. For her, there is no going back. She has seen in Naomi a new people and has found the one true God. Naomi tries to convince her otherwise, but Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. 
Now, this is a remarkable statement. Very easily the most famous line from Ruth. Such devotion often shows up in wedding ceremonies, uh, that kind of thing. And Ruth has learned something from Naomi. Did you catch that? Again, it's often the part that's maybe not in the ceremony part. But, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates us. I guess, depending on translation, sometimes it sounds like saying, you know, anything but death. Like, death will separate us, but... But actually, in some translations, it seems to say that she's saying, even death, if death separates us, the Lord should deal with me. Anyways, as she shares this, uh, you see that she has seen in Naomi eternal life. She knows that uh, Naomi has this faith in the one true God. And Ruth didn't view um, the Lord as Naomi's God, but it had become uh, her own God. Because she said, may the Lord deal with me. So the sister-in-laws are divided, and Naomi and Ruth head for Bethlehem. And they get to Bethlehem just in time for the barley harvest. When they arrive, the women of the town are all abuzz. Naomi, which means pleasant, reintroduces herself to the town as Mara, which means bitter. Everyone hears about their hardship. Bethlehem is a small town, so the whole town is talking. Again, this is basically the setup to one of those cheesy, sappy, overly sentimental Hallmark Christmas movies, kind of just meant to make you cry, which I have never watched every year for the last several years with my wife. (laughs) Ruth chapter 2. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go into the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turns out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow after the women. I have told these men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such such favor in your eyes? that you notice me, a foreigner. And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Pro tip. Okay, these are intended for any of you who are looking for love. Pro tip. Take notice of the character of a person. How do they respond to hardship? How do they treat their family? 
bless them and praise them for that. Okay, where were we? Ah, yes. And then batting her eyes, Ruth said, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Then Boaz really starts to turn on the charm and show kindness to Ruth. Already he has done an amazing thing again. Remember, she's a Moabite, and they were near enemies. There would have been hostility and hatred between one another um, for a number of years, going back ages. And the fact that she's there and she's a Moabite and she's a part of the gleaning process would have brought um, violence and hatred and other kinds of things that were to her. And she's already laid out protection, giving guidance, saying, don't go anywhere else. This is likely the only field where you're safe. Okay? So he's laid on kindness already on her. And then at mealtime he says, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. She sat down with the harvesters. He offered her some roasted grain. She ate all that she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some of the stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered. She carried it back to town and uh, her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. And her mother-in-law immediately asked, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. Now, if you know Rick Parkin, uh, formerly the pastor in Regina, he often had wisdom to say to young women, he would say, you need to find a Boaz, not a Bozo. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she said. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers, or some translations say kinsmen redeemers. Now, we don't know if Naomi had this in mind when she left Moab, but very likely not. Because um, at the sound of it, realizing that Boaz had shown this kind of kindness, again, because she shows up after the gleaning process and she just doesn't have the typical amount that you would get from someone who's in terrible poverty going around the edges of a field and picking up some grain. She came back with something like 30 pounds worth of it in the end. When she hears this, she rejoices. Now, what is a guardian redeemer? You see this all throughout the scripture. I won't take you into all of the references. But a guardian redeemer was a close, influential relative to whom members of the extended family could turn to for help. Usually when the family line or possessions were in danger of being lost, he was responsible for buying back family lands sold during a crisis, buying back enslaved relatives, providing an heir for a dead brother, avenging the killing of a relative, and caring for relatives in difficult circumstances. The idea of the guardian redeemer is also used at times to refer to God and his redemptive plan for Israel. In these passages, I won't give you all the references, God is um, Israel's nearest redeemer, stepping in to bring them back, the nation back, uh, into his family when they could not do it themselves. The word guardian redeemer finds ultimate fulfillment in the coming of the Messiah. Jesus is our near guardian redeemer, 
who came to buy us back into God's family. In the New Testament, the concept is reflected in the various words for redeem, which suggest paying a ransom, making a purchase, or saving from loss. So Ruth stays close to the women of Boaz and gleans until the harvest is finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So we have a major development in our love story. Boaz, the guardian redeemer, has shown kindness to Ruth and Naomi, and Naomi has renewed hope in the Lord, but it's moving a little too slow for her liking. How many know that uh, nice guys often move a little too slow? And mother-in-laws always want it to go a little bit quicker. So Ruth chapter 3, one day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. So Naomi's giving a bit of encouragement, guidance to Ruth to declare her interest and intentions in Boaz. She says, I will do whatever you say. Uh, So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Again, this is a kind of a common celebration in those times uh, after harvest. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and laid down in the middle of the night. Something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. So uh, this can sometimes be confusing, but the idea of the throwing the garment over was actually a wedding proposal. Uh, And here in this situation, Boaz is not proposing. Ruth is. So things are kind of heating up. Uh, And you know what? Here's a great moment to say that sometimes things are lost in translation. And I have often heard that the English Bible is especially shy in communicating the racy parts of the Bible. But though things are heating up, um, this isn't going way out of bounds like it often does. Perhaps both of their hearts would have been pounding, eager, excited to be together, but this isn't a scandal. Uh, It's rare in the time of the judges to find good and wholesome people, but here it seems like Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz are all doing their best to live righteously. Pro tip, when you're falling in love as best as you can, do it righteously. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you have showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. Or as Wesley would have said, as you wish. (laughs) All the people of the town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a garden redeemer, a a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Classic nice guy. He's into the girl and she's into him, but it's complicated. 
there's another guy. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And she said, no one must know that a woman, um, sorry, and he said, no one must know that uh, a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me a shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did, he poured into six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. Uh, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Pro tip, treat your mother-in-law well long before you are dating her son or daughter. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Ruth, chapter 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went to the town gate and sat down there just as, the guard, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. Boaz took ten of the elder of the town and said, sit here. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except for you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day that you buy the land from Naomi, you also will acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the other guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. Again, hostility, racism, unkindness for years and generations. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. Then, delighted, Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also required Ruth, the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the, maintain the name of the dead with his property so that in his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel, May you have standing in Epaphrath and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So again, and then the, the other guardian or redeemer kind of shuffles away because his racism was showing. And yet the whole council um, welcomes her in and blesses her. Kind of a beautiful moment in the town. Um, so Boaz took Ruth as she became or um, took Ruth and she became his wife when he made love to her the lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son and the women said to Naomi praise be to the lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer may he become famous throughout israel he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you, then seven sons has given him birth. 
Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David, who is ultimately the great, uh, great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. As we wrap up today, um, here's a few characters, and I want to see if you identify with any. Because when we're reading uh, stories like this, sometimes we find who the hero is, and we say, am I like the hero or not? Am I mostly like the hero? When we're reading the Bible, we have to realize that we actually probably are all of the characters. <laughs> that we are as much evil as the racist redeemer, who wouldn't redeem because of uh, Ruth's um, history or where she comes from. We have to guard ourselves against being the racist. Um, we might be able to be the rescuer. We might be the poor one. So here, let's take a look. Elimelech, we didn't say much about him. Elimelech was just trying to survive. He was trying to make the most of a bad situation. And through all of the tragedy, God was bringing about his salvation plan. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, came into the world through Ruth, all because Elimelech led his family to Moab. Maybe he prayed about it. Maybe he didn't. In fact, very likely, he walked away from his faith when life got hard. In fact, the names of his children are actually Moabite names. He was already checked out because it was hard in Israel. There wasn't enough food to go around. And he walked away from the Lord. You might be in a famine, in a flood, a difficult situation, and you're just trying to survive. Remember that God's salvation plan comes to us through difficulty and pain, through hardship, through uncertainty. If you're worried today about something, chances are God is already in the details working out his sovereign plan. You may not even see it come to pass. Elimelech didn't get to see how God was working it all for good. But he is, he was and he is, so don't walk away from him when it is hard. Try to trace out what he is doing and trust him even if you cannot. Naomi. Um, even when Naomi felt that the hand of the Lord was against her, it was still his hand that she was feeling. Like some of the psalmists who though they feel they are left abandoned alone in the dark, still pray to the Lord. Naomi maintains her relationship with the Lord. Her difficult circumstances don't shake her faith in him. She doesn't say, life is hard, I guess there is no God, or that he has no power. Though she wants to be known as bitter, that name doesn't stick. As she walks with the Lord, she begins to hope in, and in the end, uh, people say, say that she has a son. Did you catch that in there? I don't say, and Ruth has a son, isn't that great? But they say, Naomi has a son. She says, the Lord's hand is against me. I'm never going to have a family. I'm never going to have sons. And in the end, here it is, the people say, Naomi has a son. The poor. Um, leave some for the poor. I, the idea of gleaning and gathering and working through... Uh, um, the fields and harvest time, God always made provision that there would be extra leftover for the poor. And people weren't supposed to harvest absolutely everything. So don't take all of the grain for yourself. Leave extra. Leave extra time. Leave extra money. Leave extra space. 
and leave it for somebody who can't pay you back. You know why? Because you are poor. Jesus comes to those who are poor in spirit. This is a story about absolute poverty and a redeemer who buys back all that's been lost. He pays the ransom. He brings new life to an otherwise dead situation. Some of you still think that you're rich, but Christianity is only for the poor. Boaz, maybe you are aware of someone who is in desperate circumstances. Perhaps you've been watching someone barely making it. Perhaps you are meant to be their rescuer. Boaz was positioned. It was his official role. Someone who is uniquely suited to meet their needs. It may cost you money, time. You may have to cross cultural divides. People may look down on you because you make them a friend. If you are a Boaz, would you be that one that would demonstrate what the real rescuer is like? Ruth, are you here today and someone like Naomi has shared their life with you? In good and hard times, they've shared the hope they have in Jesus. And now you're starting to see the eternal life that he is offering to you. There is a simple prayer of commitment that you can pray to begin that journey. In your heart now, you can even pray, Dear Father, thank you that you love me and sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's you this morning, would you tell somebody today, come and pray with the prayer teams after the service. They would love to encourage you and celebrate with you. Ruth. Our journey is not over once we're rescued. See, Ruth, though she was able to find the God of Israel through her friendship with Naomi, she didn't stop there. She decided to give up her life. And in fact, you know, the plot twist kind of in this story is that there's this other redeemer out there. And, you know, he turns out to be perhaps a bit of a racist, but there's actually another redeemer hiding in the story, and it is Ruth. That's maybe why it's the book of Ruth. Um, she decided to give up her life. In Moab, she had family who could take her in. She could have stayed with her people, or going back to those gods. She could have found another husband there and had children and family. However, she saw that Naomi had nothing. Naomi was too old to remarry. She was never going to have any more children. She was too old to work. He noticed that she's not able to go out and glean even with Ruth. Ruth saw Naomi's helplessness and decides to give up her life. She leaves her people. She risks her life to glean as a Moabite in Israel. She proposes to Boaz and she gives Naomi a son. All that Naomi had lost, her people, her hope, her future, she has because of Ruth. Boaz is not the only redeemer. Ruth is also a redeemer. Now as we wrap up, the whole reason why we're going through the story is because we want you to be able to trace out God's redemption plan through the whole of the Bible. We want each of you to meet with the Redeemer, to know the Redeemer, to see his hand all throughout the scripture, how everything points to Christ, our Redeemer, so that you can be like Ruth or like Naomi or Boaz 
to take life as it comes and become an agent of his redemption plan. We've been asking people for a while now about their personal prayer lists. That's a list of specific people that you are going to start to pray for to be redeemed. These are people that you want to know Jesus, to enter into his kingdom and experience his goodness. Have you started your list? If you've got your list, and I encourage all of you to make a list, look for opportunities to spend time with those people. Ruth and Naomi had time together. It was friendship that started it all. And then do what great friends do. Pay attention to their needs and meet them, even if it comes at a great sacrifice to you. And one day soon, you will be able to welcome them into the kingdom. So can I ask you to stand?